The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. We just received word that Obi-Wan has destroyed General Grievous. We're on our way to make sure the Chancellor returns emergency powers to the Senate. He won't give up his power. I've just learned a terrible truth. I think Chancellor Palpatine is a podcaster. A podcaster? Yes. The one we've been looking for. How do you know? He knows the ways of the upload. He's been trained to use audition. Are you sure? Absolutely. Then our worst fears have been realized. We must move quickly if the Dark Times podcast is able to survive. Welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite seat on the council without the title of Master. And I'm Steven, your favorite young Jedi overburdened with dark knowledge. Dark knowledge, Steven. And dark knowledge you will spread to others. Yeah, through like the you. Dark Times podcast. With the Dark Web podcast. <laughs> oh, you mean like like Spider-Man 3? Yeah, the dark web. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> we have some feedback from, from a while ago. Do, we do. We have some from this week, and then there's some from last week we forgot to cover. But yeah, here we go. Uh, Zloy Krolik, a frequent correspondent and friend of the show, pointed out that Tail Slap has a plus one reach, whereas Tail Slam does not. I think I was whining about... That the, they were the same. That yeah. they were the same, because there was Slam, Tail Slam, and Tail Slap. And I was like, what the... What, yeah. what the heck? These are important for you beast builders out there. They are. Okay, take note, beast builders. Sounds, like a, sounds like a kid's Lego Yeah, that's great. Zloy Krolik also says, Hey guys, sorry I can't give you a stat block for Yarbulk. He has an RCR character. Was oh, that? that was the Chadra fan uh, yeah, yeah, techie yeah. That, that he talked about last episode. You know what RCR is? Yeah, that's the revised core rulebook the the uh version of the game that preceded uh saga edition oh okay yeah I, that's why it's called saga edition because there was the revised edition and then saga edition these were the three d20 star wars rpgs the first two well <laughs> imagine if swissy's problems were more exaggerated rcr still has its holdouts like they have a subreddit you can go there and see what they're up to but it's not 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 i prefer swissy a lot of people do it's about about yarbulk he did torment the PCs. They finally met up with him in person after he blew up their ship and tried to commit an atrocity by nerve gas bombing a planet to cover his tracks. Whoa, holy shit. Uh, they ended up stealing a ship Yarbulk commissioned from the aforementioned planet, blasted Yarbulk, and threw him out the airlock. He wasn't a combat-oriented character. While he was the same level as the PCs, it was all geared towards slicing and demolitions. So the PCs easily bested him. Looking forward to the beast build contest, Zloy. Thanks, Zloy. Really happy to get that closure on, on Yarbulk. I really want to know more about his deal. Yeah, I mean, Charger, Charger fan are the little bat guys, right? Yeah, little bat guys. At least I, I, I'm starting to doubt that he was a Charger fan, but I, I think he was. I, no, we'll, no, we'll find that, out. That's right. That's okay, right. Okay. I remember reading it. Yeah, okay, he's a Charger fan. Good, good. Here's some feedback on Reddit from Froon Levin. Uh, this was about our our evil episode. Great show, guys. I especially like the phrase "rule of cool at the speed of plot." That's what I've been trying to do for years. But to have someone summarize it so succinctly was great. I think all well-done evil party members can trace their roots back to Raislin Majir in Dragonlance. He worked with the party to achieve their shared goals and even had a chance at redemption, but chose power over his friends. Maybe that's why evil PCs always seem untrustworthy. The evil PC lineage kind of started with a late campaign backstab. It's true. He was part of, I, I read up on this guy on the Dragonlance wiki, because I, I don't know anything about, <laughs> about Dragonlance, but uh, pretty cool. He was like in a party of heroes to fight the evil queen and... 
stopped the bad thing from happening. And then he ended up just yoinking the power to do really bad evil stuff from the queen and then said, uh, see you see you later to everyone else. But that's a cool fucking way to end a campaign. Really, really cool. I love stuff like that. Uh, you can only get that's like early D&D, right? Dragonlance, I think, is an early D&D. I setting, thought it was it a novel. Wrong. It might be a novel. Yeah, it was. So it all read like a novel. But then he had like he had this character has like a class like on his wiki. It says he's a class wizard. Yeah, it's a D&D thing, my man. Oh, wow. I thought it was like a, a like a fantasy novel. Dragonlance is a shared universe. Well, what does that mean? From TSR. So Dragonlance is someone's uh, homebrew setting for like oh, early D&D. Sure. That became uh, official stuff. Enough. That is so cool. That could be us someday, Steve. It could be us someday. I'd love to see our your. Neither weird- of us have a setting <laughs> that we that we that we made. No, I meant like our weird fucking Star Wars characters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hope. I mean, if I'm it, telling you, I like, would. Charity's Rest, uh, solo comic. That would be nice. We also heard from Dark Lark in the same thread. The first time I was a PC in Dawn of Defiance, I played an evil character, but they were a bodyguard droid. When first activated by the party, it was told to protect the Jedi, so that's what it did. The droid was an HK-47 knockoff character and would have been happy to murder Hobo around the galaxy, but couldn't because of its programming. This was great as I had ran DoD a while back and knew the plot, so it offered to solve every problem with violence as to not metagame, and so none of the other players would listen to me, even when mindless killing was the best option. I think anyone can play an evil character so long as you're upfront with the other players about what you intend for the character you're playing. Matt Colville did a great video on being an evil character. That's the name of the video right there. I love Matt Colville stuff. I, I didn't really know about him until I, I watched the video that was hyperlinked. Really, really smart guy. He Go is. check that out. He's a he's a great Dungeons and Dragons uh, and Dungeon Master in general. I think all, all of my early DMing stuff I probably learned from watching his videos. That's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, Dark Luck, everyone should watch that video before ever playing an evil character themselves and says, remember, don't be a wang rod. A wang rod being the distant cousin of the Gundark. I'm pretty ah, sure. Ah, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I read that as as uh, Wangrod. I was like, what, what the hell is Who's, a wang? Who the fuck's Wangrod? Yeah, so the Dragonlance thing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that would be like an early D&D character's name. Wangrod. His name's Wangrod. Wangrod Call the Barbarian. Him, he's Sir Wangrod the Fifth <laughs> of the Wangrod throne. <laughs> Amazing. Well, okay. Steven. Yeah. It's that time of year. We talked about this already, I feel like, but it's, it's, you know, the whole month's been kind of themed. Could you put in some, like, some, like, bat sound effects? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so a thunder strike too, lightning. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the horror episode. This is the one. This is it. Yeah, I was okay. I was hoping you would. I was going to say you should definitely That's put. the sound of us opening the door on the dark side of role-playing games. And we're not talking about the Force, ladies and gentlemen, and gentlemen. No, we're talking about horror, like scary things. The galaxy's a big place. Big place, and there's lots of room for scary things. Horror, if you ask me, is underexplored in Star Wars. Horror the Explorer. <laughs> I think it's like my favorite Lovecraft book. I'm pretty sure. Wow. <laughs> that was good. It was. It was. I'm just shocked. I like, I had a train of thought and now I don't because of your, because of your pro humor. So 
horror is is underexplored in Star Wars. Would you agree? I think so. I, I think they go there sometimes. It's all right. Clone Wars has a few things that come to mind. <laughs> I like how when we said horror, the first thing I thought of was evil Ahsoka on Mortis. I don't know yeah, why. That's like that's technically horror, oh, right? Geonosian zombies, my man. Exactly. That's so good horror. That's a pretty good like horror. It's like they have a jump scare in there. It's dark. There's it's pretty creepy. And as a kid, that one got me good because like I don't know. I didn't like seeing Anakin and Obi Wan in a dark cave and zombified Geonosians jumping out of every other and place. The little worm things crawling in people's the ears. Little and stuff. freaking the crazy worm things. No one wants that. Also, the Death Troopers novel. Oh well, I was gonna say a lot of other good horror stuff is really kind of segmented off in the Legends area of the library. Very the much Star so. Wars library. Very much like Dark Horse era, like the, the the later EU stuff is only when I think horror began to like come into the minds of. Whoever the hell was in charge of that was that all, all was that all George? No way, that was all George. <laughs> but yeah, I think since you know the general understanding is that Star Wars is more or less for kids, um, I, I think that means that people who want to make horror tend to avoid the Star Wars IP, which you know that, that makes sense. But what do you really quick? What do you yeah. think the closest we've gotten to horror in like films as for Star Wars? Because I'd probably say uh, Luke fighting his uh, ghost Vader in the cave. Yeah, that was kind of the most like phantasmagoric yeah. Star Wars ever got. At oh, least. Good, that was a good word, Steve. You're going to ace the you. SATs with that Thank one. Thank you. I did learn that word for the <laughs> SAT, if, if if you could believe it. Yeah, it was, um, that that is definitely a, kind of the borderline most surreal scene we see in Star Wars. I'm trying to think if the prequels have anything. <sighs> Order 66 is... Not horror. Not horror. Not That's horror. like a thriller yeah, thing. It's exciting. If that, yeah, and it's really more sad than than exciting. It might be horrific. It's horrific for it's sure. Horror. But it's not not horror. And then, oh, you know, the Minoc jump scare in Empire Strikes Back is That's that, what that I was one got me too. as a kid. Yeah, that whole scenario is kind of creepy. <laughs> Where they're in a dark cave. And yeah, the floor's wet. Yeah, and, it's weird. You know, they're, they're the setting's really weird. Weird noises. Um, maybe not to pull sequels uh <laughs> it's like pulling rank but yeah. it's the opposite <laughs> not to pull sequels but ray in the cave on the island yeah that was kind of a creepy like ambient moment i like that too cool reveal with the mirrors and the snapping yeah. i just thought that was just a nice interesting it'd be scene. better if it had a point yeah if it had any you know meaning or, or weight in the plot that'd be cool but it, it like ambience wise it was an excellent scene it had a good texture to it i think it was very much uh, reminiscent of the Luke on Dagobah scene. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, and the Knights of Ren definitely are, are inspired by like slasher guys. Oh, like yeah. I see Jason Voorhees when I see the For Knights sure. of Ren and stuff like that. Like there's that one that's got the big buster sword. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that, that's close, but that's probably about, uh, there's, I'm sure there's more examples here and there, but that's probably about all there is for, for Star Wars horror. And what I love about Star Wars role-playing and really just role-playing in general you can explore these ideas that, you know, maybe the big Hollywood producers hadn't thought to try yet. And so Star Wars horror is ripe for the picking when it comes to your table, I think. Now, this comes up like every conversation that we have like this starts the same way. You know, horror is one of those areas that requires table consensus. It's dead easy to have something scary too, and be like, ah, creepy without making it like horror, like horrific. So for sure, this is really about your table. And I'm sure 90% of you listening have a table that is absolutely down for some like sci-fi horror bullshit. But like at my table, I have one player who is 
always asking, like, hey, when are we going to do more horror stuff? Like, hey, you did that horror stuff back then. When are we going to do more horror? And I have another player who absolutely cannot handle that stuff at any degree. So it's really, really about finding a balance that, that works for you and knowing your players and knowing what can fly and what can't. Because there's a lot of people who are adverse or just otherwise don't prefer horror, of course. And that's fine. That doesn't mean they're wimpy or lame. That not just at means all. It's not their, not their taste. And remember, as a GM, it's, it's your duty to reasonably accommodate your entire table and provide a good time. That's what everyone's hoping that you do every week or whenever you play. And, and as your player, it's your duty to communicate your, your boundaries. You know, you, you have to be honest with others when, <laughs> when you, there's something yeah. you don't want to experience at the table, lest you and everyone else suffer as a result. Very much, we've beaten this to death. This, oh, yeah. This dead, <laughs> the dead bantha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but session zero, it's a session zero thing. It is. Know? There's a plenty of great ways to do that sort of like, here's a survey to find out what you guys are comfortable with in our game group and stuff like that. And yeah. It's always helpful, especially when that stuff's like a Google. Um, we've talked about doing Yeah, Google Forms are my Google favorite forms, way to do that. Because they're almost always anonymous. That's a, great. Any way you can find for people to anonymously submit what they want and don't want in a campaign is guarantees almost certainly that you're going to get honest responses. Uh, when people are, aren't afraid of being judged, they'll give you how they really feel. And it's it, it helps. It's great. And people's comfort with that stuff is kind of ranges as well. It's it does. like, oh, yeah, can we do flat out like... Gore. Yeah, is body horror on the can table? Can I describe or? it? Or is it something that I just mention it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's hard finding that. It, like we said, DMing is 90% keeping plates spinning and the other 10% keeping four people on the same track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And as always, like we always say, you know, using your position at the table, whatever it may be, GM or player, uh, if you use that position to torment others or enact some sort of selfish fantasy, well... Keep it up and pretty soon you'll be wondering why you can't seem to find a game because you will be the first to get the boot from any table if if that's the kind of person you'll you be are. number one on our our slash RPG horror stories that y week. You will be. <laughs> and you're not welcome at my table either if you're that kind of person. Definitely not. Not mine. I want to talk about I want to kick this off with a horror session that I ran, uh, Sam, that, that my players, you included, still talk about. Every day. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think about it a lot. That's for sure. Seriously. Um, so back when we had just kind of freshly broken away from Dawn of Defiance, we were either or about to or kind of 50 50. It kind of waffled there. You know how it goes. I want to do something Halloween themed. This was three, four years ago. God, I don't want to think about how long ago it was. <laughs> that's for sure. It was definitely this time of year. <laughs> and, you know, having played my fair share of Star Wars Galaxies back in the day and Having done plenty of Wikipedia trawling in my in my heyday, Death Troopers came to mind, which was a novel by Joe Schreiber that was released on October 13th, 2009. It takes place about a year before A New Hope. The back of the book text reads, when the Imperial prison barge Purge, temporary home to 500 of the galaxy's most ruthless killers, rebels, scoundrels, and thieves, breaks down in the distant, uninhabited part of space, its only hope seems to lie with a star destroyer found drifting, derelict, and seemingly abandoned. But when a boarding party is sent to scavenge for parts, only half of them come back, bringing with them a horrific disease so lethal that within hours, nearly all aboard the Purge will die in ways too hideous to imagine. And death is only the beginning. Fuck yeah. Pretty cool, right? This book also spawned like a, an ancient Sith prequel about creating... 
the the Sith alchemical virus that kicked off this. Uh, was this, this before Rat Ghouls or was this? No, the Rat Ghouls are probably inspired by this. Star too. Wars horror, Rat Ghouls. Yeah, I, I don't know why we didn't. Yeah, mention I don't know why I think about literally Rat Ghouls. Sorry, yeah. the writing was too good. That's why I didn't come to mind when I thought of Star Wars. For real, <laughs> I think I was mostly thinking of like in visual yeah, media for, sure. for what would you see in the Star Wars horror. But yeah, Rat Ghouls are excellent horror. Really, really yeah. creepy. Even in Kotor, they don't they don't really come across as horror. It's kind of more like when I was a kid, it freaked me out. Oh, I bet. But yeah. like you know. Now it's more it's like, like oh, whatever. it's an affliction, you know? Yeah. And when you hear like the villagers, the refugees down there screaming as they transform, like, no, no, please kill me quick. Like that, <laughs> that's, that's kind of chilling. Like that, <laughs> that, that's pushing the boundary for Star Wars. Real, real good stuff. But yeah, so I was like, I, I read that summary, that little synopsis on Wikipedia. And I was like, you know, that, that sounds like an RPG thing. A boarding party, you know, is sent to a derelict ship. We'll read the finish the the segment, my friend, the rest of it really like nails home. Like, Hey, this is an RPG game (laughs) for real, for real. The purge is half a dozen survivors, two teenage brothers, a sadistic captain of the guards, a couple of rogue smugglers. That's Han and Chewie, by the way. (laughs) Is it really? Yeah. 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 And the chief medical officer, the lone woman on board. So 2009 to say the lone woman. will do whatever it takes to stay alive, but nothing can prepare them for what lies waiting on board the Star Destroyer amid its vast creaking emptiness that isn't really empty at all, for the dead are rising, soulless, unstoppable, and unspeakably hungry. I feel like I could do one of those, like, Spotify horror podcasts. We could. I feel like unspeakably hungry. Unspeakably hungry. (laughs) Ooh, I like that. That's my Dracula voice. That's good. That was very good. So you heard it, folks. That's an RPG party that's, right there. That's an RPG. Two teenagers, two <laughs> rogues, and a chief med- and a sadistic captain and a chief medical officer. And and main character rebels to taste. <laughs> Seriously. No, that that's an RPG. So that's what I did. Our party was, I can't remember what y'all were up to, but your rebel associates were like, hey, there's this derelict star destroyer that kind of just popped out of nowhere. It looks like it's been there for a while. Huh. It's called the ISD Vector. That's interesting. Um, could you go scavenge some parts on there? We're a little short on parts. We were like, hell yeah, full yeah, Star Destroyer full of parts? Fuck yeah. Yeah, it sounds fun. We take the whole damn ship. <laughs> <laughs> and very immediately, the party realizes something is wrong. There's a smell of rot emanating from the barely functioning airlock that they enter in. The Star Destroyer's life support systems have failed. There's no signs of life. What's that? There's blood smeared on the walls. I think I did something cliche like handprints or maybe help me yeah, scroll yeah, out yeah. in blood or something cheesy like that. Cause that's, that's what it's all about. What really nailed at home. I remember is the description of the smell. Yes. The putridness, the stillness, like something that had been un, like a tomb undisturbed. And I was very much like that. That pulled me in Steven. It's, it's all, it's appealing to the senses is part of a being a game master. Senses sure. is a big part of it. And I've got more notes on that later. Cause, cause smell in particular, I think is a, is a core component of, of horror, sp- of horror and spooky storytelling at the role playing <laughs> table. I think our party was, I, I, it was Mira Luca Jedi, yeah. Mira Luca scoundrel, mm-hmm. uh, droid scoundrel, uh, and then Herglick, Soldier. Soldier? Yeah. yeah. What, yeah. A, what a group. Such a group. Oh, and Zabrak, 
uh, Jedi. <laughs> Who could forget the Zabrak Jedi? Or Zabrak Scout, I guess. Zabrak Scoundrel? Scout Jedi Zabrak Scoundrel. Scoundrel. Who knows? She had, quite, she, had a, she had them all by the end. <laughs> it's the multi-class game for sure. Oh, yeah. And I turned you guys loose on a zombie-infested Star Destroyer. There were several rooms. This is the part I really played off the cuff because I realized I didn't really know how to prep for an encounter on a Star Destroyer. So what I did is pull up the canon schematic for a Star Destroyer and meticulously plan out every room so you guys, <laughs> oh, I always knew exactly what you guys were going to go into. I had floors, deck plans, I everything. <laughs> I pulled up all sorts of extraneous resources on what is, no, no, I did not. No. I just made that shit up on the fly. It's a Star Destroyer. Am I going to map all that shit out? No. I just tell the players like, oh, yeah, uh, you're on deck A7 and there's a mysterious signal coming from deck uh, J12. You walk for 20 minutes and you're there. Like, come on. And it then we figured out what that meant for us on, on in the moment. I had a hangar bay because I was like, oh, it's a Star Destroyer. It's got to have hangar bays. Had a command center connected to the hangar bay. I think you guys progressed by, I think you were able to, to slowly kind of unlock different segments yeah. of, they were sealed because emergency zombie lockdown and such. There was, you found a couple survivors that weren't very cooperative because they were Imperial scum. Yeah. And this culminated with a zombified Inquisitor boss fight on the bridge, I believe. Oh, yes, it did. It's so good. Really, really fun. There was also, I, I tied Mingle Mingle into it, too, to kind of justify the lore. For people who don't know. Yeah, Mingle Mingle is, I can't remember when it first appears, but it's this force spirit kind of super organism type like hive mind Hive mind-ish. Its origins aren't clear, and that's like my favorite thing about it, one of the scariest things about it. Fully statted out for Saga Edition, by the way. Thank you, Unknown Region <laughs> Sourcebook. It it spreads its hive mind by zombie infecting living beings. And it can do this by, I think, spreading black goo into your ear canal or Perhaps. something. Mingle Mingle itself, I think, is the black goo, but then also becomes the host when it takes over and can get swaths of, of zombies. And so I kind of tied this into Mingle Mingle, which I portrayed as a giant beating heart. Yes. Like a psychic speaking heart that was held in this research like section aboard the Star Destroyer and ended up infecting everyone with this zombie virus. I chose a heart and I recommend you do this at your table. Game Masters, whatever you're afraid of most, make that the central scary thing because that's how you can sell it <laughs> genuinely. That's how you convey it to your players well. From, from the heart, no pun intended. As a scary thing, I'm a I'm a cardiophobe or whatever it's called. I can't called. I can't stand the sight, the sound, the feel of of heartbeat. I just can't do it. My own it trips me up. I can't hold people late at night, you know, in a lovers embrace because Jesus if I feel, if I feel or hear their heartbeat, it freaks me the fuck out. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. You can cut the lovers embrace. <laughs> no, I'm gonna keep it. It's great. <laughs> good, it's funny. Good. But yeah, uh, so I'm I'm scared of hearts. It's just a bit of a phobia of mine and. I wanted to bring that to the table because I knew that would be for real. So I, I endured it. I, I did what I could by putting on like an ambient heartbeat noise while they hacked this thing to bits. And it was, it was a real mess. Yeah, real uh, The visceralness of it was really, really sent it home. Absolutely. So after talking with my players about that adventure, Oh, Wait, sorry. You got really something quick. Can we, so after the Inquisitor fight, we end up crashing the whole Star Destroyer yeah. into a planet. Yeah, he also, he also you know, crash landed the Star Destroyer into Dathomir, which, Dathomir, which yeah. ended up being a problem. We kind of 
wrapped that up off screen later on. Um, very funny. It, it was a, I think it was a skill challenge. Wasn't it? No, no. You, it could have been. There was a, yeah, it could have been. There was a skill challenge like escaping the wreckage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. like in terms of the zombies on Dathomir thing, we we had a, there was that time skip. The um, the Empire ends up cultivating the zombies and using them as like legions yeah, to take yeah. on. We, yeah, we ended up wrapping that up kind of off table. Um, they that, made a cool return. Is yes, what that, yeah. that Zabrak PC kind of went on a zombie killing spree during an off table time skip. So okay. we, we, we handled it that way. But yeah, <laughs> after talking with my players about this adventure and thinking on it, looking back over my old notes and doing a little research online, I I've brought to you, dear listeners, four bullet points, four things you should master. If you want to bring some horror to your table, this, this hollows Eve. The first of these points is atmosphere. If anyone remembers the old spawn cartoon, the creator McFarlane would do. Do you know this, Sam? <laughs> no, I'm not familiar. He'd do this live action for the first season, at least. Live action, unique to each episode, like monologue before the episode was there. Kind of like those old like horror hosts that cable yeah. TV would have back oh, in the day. I like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He did it, but for his own like superhero cartoon. That's great. Anti-hero cartoon. It's spun. And he'd and he'd be like, Isn't morality strange? Sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes good things happen. It's spawn. So turn down your lights. That's fucking great. He would Holy end shit. every opening with it's spawn. So turn down your lights. Whenever we turn down the lights for the movie at my place or whenever I'm like turning off a light in my home, <laughs> I just think, think I, I think of him. I'm like, it spawns. So turn down your lights. <laughs> That's great. And what I mean by this, this is atmosphere. You have to set the mood. You need some crazy cool ambience. You need some Call of Duty Zombies piano loop playing in the background. I'm dead serious. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. You need candles. Candles are cheap as hell. Go to the dollar store or go to Bed Bath and Beyond. They will sell you big packs of they're called tea lights. They're usually unscented. I recommend unscented just because, I mean, you know. <laughs> no one wants a lavender-scented horror combat. <laughs> it's true. There's not many spooky tea light scents. If you can find one, that's great. But also, when you have like six of those fuckers going, the smell is too much when you're sitting in the same room for three, four hours. Man, that's for my least session. favorite Yankee candle, Eye yeah. of Newt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but get tea lights. Set them up around your house. Obviously, if you play online, there's other things you can do. But... <laughs> Virtual guys, download these virtual candles. <laughs> Turn down the lights. Red LEDs. LED strips are cheap, and we use them at our in-person sessions to great effect a lot oh, of the time. And I remember a dim room with tea lights and a red glow. That's that's going to put people in the right mind space to get a little spooked out. All what we're talking about here is is the preparation to put your players in the right state of mind for the story you're trying to tell. You don't have to try that hard. If you manage to skew their imaginations in just the right way, because as we'll get into, the player's imagination is the most powerful storytelling tool at the table. You don't need to work very hard if you can induce the right kinds of thoughts. I talked about this a little bit when we go over what music to use at the table. It's more about inducing the right mind space than putting on a good song, though if you can do both, then more power to you. Tension is the next bullet point. Suspense is your friend. Watch a monster movie. Everyone knows that you don't show the whole monster in a good monster movie. All the best monster movies, The Thing, um, Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
<laughs> no, I think Scooby Doo explicitly shows the monsters. Scooby Doo explicitly shows the monsters for for a good reason. Scooby Doo taught us that the monsters were people all the real along. monsters. Were real. Yes. <laughs> but the thing's a great example. You don't see a lot of the thing, and when you do, it's you know hidden, transformed yeah. as as someone else. All the best monster movies show you sparse bits and pieces of the horror. The best ones spare details for the big final fight. Unexplained noises or occurrences. Coming across previous victims, these things help build tension. You want to build that tension by showing pretty much everything except the monster. Like I said, victims, pieces of victims, pieces of the monster. Blood scrawled out, help me, on the wall. <laughs> like, data pads of people describing strange encounters or occurrences. This is suspense. This is what builds tension. Tip for building tension. Just ask your players if they're sure every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Roll dice without unnecessarily. That's a classic. Yes. Just be like, Absolutely. okay. Yeah, they'll be like, yeah, um, we're, um, we'll, we'll walk down the left hallway and be like... <sighs> Unnecessary right. choices. Yes. Uh, Unnecessary yes. choices. Left or right, up or down. Have them repel down an elevator shaft. Always fun. The best. And then when they choose, like Sam was saying, go, all right, be my guest. Roll a die. It's not for anything. These are meaningless choices. You didn't prep a separate encounter for left and right. Right? You didn't do that, right? This is psychological warfare against your players. <laughs> it's about inducing the right mind space. It's not about making the craziest fucked up thing possible. <laughs> it's about making your players worried about what might be around the corner. That's horror. Horror is not a, a lich with six rib cages and four heads, though that's that's pretty fucking cool. I'm gonna write that down actually. <laughs> the four-headed lich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's about what this lich is capable of. I once watched a video, it was a short video essay from some some lovely person, I can't remember who it was, but they, they were rallying against Save the World campaigns because they wanted to talk about stakes. Their point was that the vague stakes are way more potent than do this or the world ends. Because it's the player's imagination, like I said, that's churning, whirling, I'm thinking of, oh, God, what are they going to pull up next? Because they, they don't if that's what they're thinking, then they can't possibly prepare for it. The next bullet point is environment. We had atmosphere, tension and environment. Your players imaginations, like I keep saying, more potent than anything you could ever hope to convey by yourself. You're not a Hollywood producer. You're not a Hollywood script horror writer. You're, you're not John Carpenter. You're, you're never going to be John Carpenter. You'll never, listen to me, you'll never be John Carpenter. But if you know John Carpenter, please get in touch. <laughs> I love just, I, I, everything I read about him, I'm like, this guy's great. John Carpenter's <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'd just be like, okay, you know, here's the check. And then he'd just go back to playing Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> so describing your environment is kind of a hot topic when it comes to GMing, especially beginning GMs. I don't really have any advice on that specifically this episode, but something I have seen before and something I actually have experienced firsthand, imagery can be difficult. If you take too long or use too much detail describing a space, you risk your players latching onto something that isn't important. Like, say, if I take a full minute to describe a candelabra in the center of an abandoned mansion, the players might suspect 
and within good reason, haunted candelabra, haunted candelabra. They're going to be climbing classic, up there. They're classic be, haunted candelabra. <laughs> they're going to be yanking on that shit. They're going to think that the story is to progress. It has to do with the candelabra and not the key tucked in the envelope underneath the armoire. Like that, that's what's going to happen. A good way around this while achieving a powerful effect, Sam, you already mentioned, is smell and sound. But definitely smell. Smell is one of the most powerful senses humans have. It's ridiculous. We all know the memories associated with smell. Smelling the right smell can take you back to a different time or place. It can bring to mind deeply unpleasant things when discussing things like rot and decay. The smell of death hangs in the air. If I had a dollar for every time I said that at a table like come on <laughs> and it man. works every time everyone's like Ooh, when <laughs> I like what you, so I like what you're saying because with smell and sound yeah I feel like sight is probably one of those things your players are most most likely to fill in themselves the worst possible can. way most of your players have probably been seeing their whole lives odds are they kind of know what a derelict Star Destroyer with blood and bodies smeared all over the walls could look like. I mean, a, a, my mind instantly conjures a, a pretty clear image. But when I talk about, oh, a coolant leaking into a pool of decaying bodies and ozone filling your nostrils with sense of decay and rot, like, come on, that you can see the room. Yeah. You can without having to know anything about it. The, the sound of the of the womp rats, like scrounging through the puddles of blood for yeah. any little morsels left. Do you see the dark hallway with that dim light at the end? Like, I didn't even need to tell you that the bulwarks were rusted and stained with the, the blood of the damned, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you said it like that, I'd be fucking cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you need to be vague but potent in your descriptions. Because like we said, this line of vagueness that you're trotting for your horror session is your most powerful tool. That is how you get the reactions. Because like we always say, like I've been saying for about half an hour now, it's inside the player's mind that matters most. That's the space you want to induce and change. What you're thinking doesn't fucking matter. Just try to freak them out a little bit. <laughs> bring, blindfold them, bring around the, the, um, the bowl full of skin bowl, grapes and spaghetti. Of grapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Stormtrooper eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, another tip I had for describing imagery as well. This was from another game master who I cannot remember. Um, I almost said the niche, but it wasn't the niche. It might have been the guy who I, I based my hex crawl guide off of. I can't remember. The Alexandrian. Yeah. He talks a lot about to, to really take it easy on imagery and physical descriptions of, of how a place looks. But if you really want to convey a place's vibe, describe like one part of the room. The example he used was a very fancy like royal stateroom, like a super like and described like he was like, well, you could describe the four post bed and the armoire and the vanity and the big billowing curtains. But instead, he described the room as this like fine oaken table with this crystalline decanter on it and the filigree carved into the table and all that. He just spoke. And sure enough, the thing the party needed was in a drawer in that table. Duh. Yeah. And. The way he described it, it, I I really agreed with what he was saying, because I I can see that room that the decanter is in. There's not a shitty shack in the middle of the woods that has this beautiful (laughs) crystal decanter in it, right? Like, if your players need more detail, they'll ask. They will. Is there a bed in the the room? You'll be like, yeah. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I make my biggest mistake I make is not waiting or uh, for players to ask those questions. Like I can when I'm not thinking, I can tend to go on and on and 
My players don't want to ask any more about the room because they just heard about it for five minutes yeah. or 10 minutes. But it's really important to just give them the important stuff, the symbolic stuff, the vague yet potent stuff. And then if they need something else, they'll ask. It's it's hard to find that fine line, but doing that without giving the like the keys here. Yeah, like, here it is. Seriously. It's it's difficult. Yeah, it is. Which is why, you know, you still make them make a perception check. <laughs> They still got to roll for it. Yeah, exactly. Because they're like, is the key in the oak table? And you're like, I don't know. Roll perception. <laughs> Spent five minutes describing that candelabra, and now it wants me to roll about it? Ah, oh, Roll knowledge candelabra. <laughs> yeah, how's your metalworking lore skill? Oh, man. The fourth and final bullet point of Stevie P's horror extravaganza is surprise. Boo. Ah! Sam, you can't scare me on the show like that. Yes, I can. Okay. <laughs> it's my show. I'll scare whoever I damn well please. Yeah, put an evil laugh in here. <laughs> Ooh. Really good. Thank you. The fourth and final bullet point is surprise. This starts even before your session's already begun. Don't tell anyone you're going to run a horror session, god damn it. Just tell them at session zero, there's a possibility of horror elements in your campaign. Get the lease to do scary shit in the beginning. Let everyone forget about it for a few months and then come back in full force on their asses. That's the, that's what you do. <laughs> it's like when the road trip requires you to all sign waivers for some reason. What, what's this waiver for? Are you telling, we're going to stop at this random house in the middle of nowhere? One of the most trusted people in my life, a player in that Death Troopers described zombie adventure I ran, said that the biggest thing about it for them wasn't the gore, wasn't the zombies, wasn't the anything else besides that it was dropped in their fucking lap, that it was a surprise, that they never saw it coming in a million years, and they haven't forgotten it since because they were surprised. Yeah. So what's the lesson, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else? Surprise. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> And I'm the worst at this. I get so excited about an idea for my campaign. I tell my players like three weeks in advance before I actually <laughs> fucking do it. I've gotten better, but it used to be like, <laughs> fucking spoiler Steve over I'm here. I'm a bit of a spoiler Steve. I just get excited. I like to share ideas I'm happy about. But I was able to keep my trap shut for this time only. And it really paid off. <laughs> the prestige. <laughs> and of course, jump scares. Have them turn left or right down the hallway, up or down the elevator shaft. You know, uh, what other directions are there? Diagonal or other diagonal? The cardinals and non-cardinals. Yeah, cardinals, non-cardinals, super cardinals. Non-Euclidean directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> MC Escher directions where you go down, but you end up on the up. Have them make those meaningless choices. Grumble to yourself and roll your die and be like, ooh, raise your eyebrows a little bit. And then after they've lulled into a sense of security, drop the fucking monster on their faces. From yeah, the ceiling, yeah. from the floor, non-Euclidean directions. <laughs> and you can always pull, a, you know, Left 4 Dead Witch, you know, it's sitting in the corner in a room. Yeah. And they're like, well, shit, it's the first person we've seen in, in the last fucking 20 minutes, so we better talk to him. Seriously. Rodney said, Rodney said, best ideas first. To truly surprise your party, you need to go over the top. I'm talking psychic beating heart embedded in a space fascist <laughs> research stations over the top. I'm talking about Inquisitor zombie over the top. Like you, whatever you think is pushing it just a little too far for the table within the bounds you've agreed upon on your session zero, full fucking throttle it. All right. 
Get creative. Or don't. Pick something from a B-horror movie they've never seen before. Mudman. Cheat Lie Steel. What if the, Cheat Lie Steel. What if there was a sewer man is a question that's asked online pretty frequently Pull in certain a, circles. A sewer man that kills a notable NPC. No fucking, no role, nothing. Pull a fucking Tashi Yara on their ass. They will, be a, they will be afraid. If one of their beloved NPCs dies instantaneously to this weird creature, they will be afraid. There will be fear in their eyes. The quest giver that they finally had a nice rapport with and that you were planning on maybe riding out the rest of the adventure with no stab through the heart by a by an evil creature <laughs> it's horn maybe or it's claw you choose it's it's good it's that's alien right there that's alien ah oh, good good examples of horror <laughs> exactly you need to watch alien if you're doing any any of this shit of course it's spawn so turn down your lights and let's turn down uh, for what? To the break of the show. <laughs> but before we do, I wanted to review the four bullet points that you need to master are atmosphere, tension, environment, and surprise. These are your classical elements of horror. Eights. <laughs> what do you say? Eights. A-T-E-S. <laughs> atmosphere, tension. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I had no idea what you were talking about. I was like, what? It could have yeah. been eats also. Eats or eats, but I like the order that they're in. Atmosphere, tension, environment, surprise. Go over those. Make sure you have those. those that, there's your horror encounter building checklist right there, folks. You need these four things to successfully shock your players. Let's well, get you in the break. Well put, Steven. Thank you, Sam. I had a lot of fun writing this segment. I'm glad. Three, two, one. Happy birthday, Dark Times Podcast. So, Sam, if I'm not mistaken, this marks one full calendar year since we started the podcast. One full calendar year of the Dark Times Podcast. Six episodes. 46 episodes. Almost one for every week of the year. Yeah, 52 weeks a year. We only took, only took, like, not even two months off. Yeah, not Pretty even. Good. Maybe a month or, and a half. Yeah. I can't even remember when we took time off, to we, be honest. We, we missed episodes here and there. A sickness, usually. Yeah, it, it happens. Like usually that. when one of us... So COVID kind of got in the way early on there. But yeah, I mean... I don't even know what to say. Thank you. Thank you is the big one. To uh, you, Steven. To the listeners. To the patrons, Thank especially. you, Sam. I can't, I can't use... Adobe. I, I'm legally barred from using Adobe products. You think I could? I could do what you do. Ah, oh, the great, the great Stephen embargo of '93. <laughs> I remember. Um, yeah, I, 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 I should have thought about this more, so I had something a little more meaningful to say. But um, you know, when when Sam and I set out on this show, we had no idea what would happen. You know, Sam had the idea on the napkin. And the famed Chipotle napkin that had all the the awful names for the show. Oh, that's right. I forgot there was a name. plethora of rejected names for the show. Go back and listen to episode one, Steven. Oh, I kind of want it's to. Great. Oh, that sounds wacky. Thank you. Um, over this past year, I've watched the Saga Edition community really flourish. And it's not not everyone gets to be as lucky as I do. When you get to see something you love, something that you were sure you were barely going to be able to convince your loved ones to play and experience with you flourish into a hobby that you'll take with you for the rest of your life. And then you go online and you see that the same thing is happening for other people all over the world. 
at the same time. And you watch those subreddit numbers, you know, skyrocket. You watch this Discord become a beautiful, diverse place for all sorts of discussion related to the game and, and beyond. And you meet, you know, intelligent, kind, creative people who are unashamed and unrepentant to put their all into this RPG that's more than a decade out of print. And that's that's something, you know, when you see a group of people dedicate themselves, you know, not not to consuming the latest corporate crap that's shat out, <laughs> dedicating themselves to telling stories that they enjoy with people they enjoy. A lot of people believe that, that, that that's kind of the first human thing we did, that pre-society, pre-civilization, there was people who enjoyed each other and enjoyed telling stories to each other. And that, I, I think, is the core of why this is such a joy to me and, and why I hope it's such a joy to many others. And the podcast has really given me a place to enjoy and experience that feeling. And, and the community gives me a place to meet other people who feel the same way. And uh, I, I, I couldn't be more thankful for, for this past year. Holy shit, Steven. Guy said, I didn't, I didn't write anything down. It proceeds to make me like almost cry on microphone. It's so funny. That's um, yeah. You, we we're putting the collaborative into collaborative storytelling. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And it's, then, you know, when people reach out and say like, Hey, you know, you're that, that shit show you recorded for <laughs> 52 minutes last week gave me what I needed to start game mastering again, or, opened up a whole new world to me or, you know, gave me what I needed to, to really realize my vision. Gave me the tools to feel like I could be a storyteller. Yeah. And, and when that happens, it's reciprocated for me because any doubts I had are dissolved or obliterated by, by these good things that other people are experiencing. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's more valuable to me than, than, really much of anything I've encountered so far in my, in my short life. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, Steven. It's been a, it's been a big year. I feel like for both of us, big, a, lot big of, a lot has happened in a year, a lot of changes outside the show, a lot of changes inside the show. Yeah. I mean, we've got bits, <laughs> <laughs> we've got bits, we've got segments, like we've got a formula. It's, We've interviewed the creator of the We've game. The interviewed show's about the creator of the game. That is something I thought maybe it would be a teehee funny little joke, and maybe it would enough people would tweet about it or something. Back when I thought Twitter was going to be more important than all of this, <laughs> and, and then maybe we'd get like a little voice message from like, "Hey guys, it's Rodney." But no, we we did that. And we, met, we met the man. We met much. the man, and and I'm sure we'll have him back here real soon. And um, we have shirts. Yeah, we've we got have stickers, we have physical pieces of media that we have show a Patreon that brings in $102 a month from 15 or 16 people who think we're worth that. Really just thank you from all. From the bottom of our hearts. Yeah. The Dark Times podcast. Thank you. Just amazing stuff. We should we talk Special about farts some more? <laughs> Lighten it up Real a bit. spooky shit. Yeah, ooh, yeah, real human emotion. Look out. It's the scariest <laughs> thing of all. Uh, you want to give a special thanks? Yeah, to I, have a, I have a very special shout out today. A, a very good friend of the show and just a, a great person, a, a true pillar of the community, really embodies what that means, I think. Uh, Lil Literalist sent in, a, he, he called it a Christmas gift. Uh, I'm going to call it an anniversary gift. <laughs> it's really all of the above. 
um, sent in a genuine mint copy of the Jedi Academy training manual. Uh, only one of one of two books needed to complete my saga edition collection. And uh, man, I, I can't thank you enough. This shit's amazing. I love this book in particular because it's the one with all the silly lightsabers in it <laughs> yeah. and all the cool force traditions as well. To, to send that in just because you like the show is is amazing and and a, a deep act of kindness. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Stephen. It means the world to us that his name's also Stephen. Yeah, his name's also Stephen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just it means the the world to us that people care enough about the show that we get comments on the Reddit all the time. We get the emails all the time. DarktimesSWSE at gmail dot com. When people add us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. It's just uh, it's. It's inspiring. Seriously. Like I, the fact that he th- saw that online, you know, a deeply coveted rare book that half the subreddits after and was like, oh, you know what? I bet Steven of Dark Times would like that. Fuck, man. Well, Steven's been on the show twice. He, he has. A, he he has. has. He did. A, he was our first interview. You know, I yes, think he, he was. I think he gets a, sp- a personal place in our hearts for that. Oh, one. definitely. And then he had a listener segment as well. That was really nice about fire damage. I loved stuff. that yeah. fire segment. I hope he does another listener segment. He was kind of tough on himself. For that first one, but he, I, he should I do more. Honestly, don't think he should have been. It was great. It and was an excellent segment. Anyone can send in a listener segment. Please do. Don't worry about it sounding awful. I do my best to make him sound pretty good. It's oh yeah, and practice in the shower. That's what I do. <laughs> saga edition. Saga edition. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things where we've come so far. I feel like since starting, like we've gone through three audio interfaces yeah. in, a, in a year, which hopefully we'll have to go through that many in the next year, and. We're probably going to have the same gushy talk uh, around New Year's about the dark times as well. Yeah, you know, it's (laughs) old Lang sign and all that. Yeah. Um, Don't forget, you guys, the build bounty for the beasts. The beast bounty build bowcase. (laughs) (laughs) Some alliteration. Is due next Sunday. Yes, that's Sunday, October 30th at 1159 p.m. Pacific. That must be a level 12 beast built according to the creating new beast rules. Got a couple of questions about what can be included in that beast. Someone wanted to know if they have free reign on on um, speed. They wanted to go a little slower than what was maximum allowed. That's fine. Yeah, as long as you don't go over the maximum allowed for the rules, that's fine. Whatever speed you want, it's great. There were some questions about making your own species traits or making your own beast traits. We yoinked in in that episode. We yoinked the Claudites as an example. I think any other species trait is fair game to just yoink for your beast. I think that's what they're there for. It's one of those things where it's not a power scaling competition. That's not what it is. No, it's just a showcase of the things you can do. If you think something genuinely is worth adding as a species trait, go for it. Yeah. If if you have something, if you have an idea for something compelling, that's the most important. Uh, We want you to flex your creativity. If it was a contest to make the biggest attack bonus at level 12, well, I mean, that, that's well-trodden ground. There wouldn't be much, <laughs> much of a point in doing that. But this is a showcase to demonstrate how creative you guys are, because we know you are. We've already got a couple entries already, and honestly, we're really excited to see how these turn out. We pulled the Claudite species traits for Shapeshifter because it was already there. There yeah. was no point to make our own thing. In fact, halfway through building it, we were like, oh, there's actually a feat for this thing we wanted to do. Yes, so indeed, we, we did. We didn't have to be a species trait. It's just, you know, don't tread the ground that's already been trodden I seriously guess. and there's you know it's been a decade plus of swissy ground trotting so you know take it easy on yourself <laughs> <laughs> take the road less traveled <laughs> is what we're saying and steal <laughs> g lie steal yeah don't you know don't make extra work for yourself if you don't have to yeah 
Uh, that, to reiterate, Sunday, October 30th, 11.59 p.m. Pacific time, email darktimessewse at gmail.com. We include, if you, you're new to our bounties, go check them out on the last episodes we've done. Uh, we include the email or an abridged version of the email, and we include the physical whatever file you send us for the bounty. It's always nice to do a little like, here's my inspiration and here's kind of how it works, you know, just for the listeners sakes. And people pull those for their campaigns. Yeah, they've said it. They've been like, ah, oh, I needed an inquisitor. So I went to the Dark Times Inquisitor Google Drive and pulled one from there. That's and that's the point. He gets it. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. <laughs> I think this break's been long enough. I think it's, I think break's over. Time to get back to work. Yeah. Let's get back to the podcast minds. Steven, I've dusted off our, our little hollow mailbox. Oh, just, oh, just it's quite dusty. Yeah. Oh, there's something lodged in. Oh, there's something lodged in this R2 unit. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have, we should get a droid for this. I, I feel like it's weird that I have to unfold a piece of paper and read it. We should get a we, droid. We could definitely afford one by now. Yeah, let's get on. We'll get an R2 unit. If you have a design for the Dark Times R2 mail, mail droid. Oh, that'd be cute. cute. Yeah. Well, we need more droid mascots, Steven. It, uh, yeah. Not us personally. I yeah, just think just, the world that, needs them. I'd, I'd say you're right. I think Japan's got that shit down. <laughs> All righty. Here's an here's a here's an, a build from Iro. Rock on Iro. Hi, guys. Hope everything is going well from your side. Thank you, Iroh. We think so. Yeah, seriously. I, I <laughs> think I'm doing all right. We've been doing this for a year. We're, we're doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I am preparing the Tempest Feud module part two for my players, and I was not happy with the Enraged Zanos build that I found online. Therefore, I've created this one that I hope could be interesting also for you and maybe useful for other guys that want to run that module. Zanos is a hut lord that has become addicted with the Tempest Spice. Uh, and he includes a link to Spice on the wiki page. We did Very a whole helpful. episode on Spice. It was really great. Zanos has the Enraged species trait, similar to the Wookiee species trait. Therefore, I gave him also the Dreadful Rage feat. But it can be changed to anything you prefer, rule, legal. Perfective defense could be nice to increase reflex defense if needed. Since he has Wookiee bodyguards, I decided to give him a Rick Blade to use when enraged. Can you imagine a, a, a hut coming at you with a Rick Blade <laughs> raging? A raging hut? That's Fucking cool. Seriously. I think it's hilarious and terrifying at the same time to see a big fat slug charging your face, wielding some kind of machete. A typical round with Zano's the Hut, or at least the revised version from Iro. You enrage with a swift action, then charge your enemy. The Huts move only two squares, but thanks to long stride talent, Zano's can move up to four. The surge talent and burst of speed feet can help him move a little bit more if needed. I think he can move up to four, four from surge, eight for burst of speed, and four with charge equals 16 squares in one round once. I don't think that'd be necessary. Zanos would mostly be encountered in his throne room, a small, ambient one like Java's. Uh, he attacks at plus 14, uh, 10 plus 1 from weapon focus, 2 from rage, and 1 from skirmisher. If he moves at least 2 squares, he gets plus 16 if he's charging, and he gets to add an additional plus 2 if he uses dreadful rage. On a hit, he does 2d10 plus 8 damage with his Rick Blade, or plus 10 if he charges, or plus 12 if you use the dreadful rage. Devastating attack helps him overcome enemies' damage threshold, and if D10s roll too low, a shirt attack can come in handy with the reroll for damage dice. If any of his Wookiee friends is adjacent to his target, he adds a D10 of damage and knocks the target prone. Disturbing presence helps him avoid any attacks of opportunity, and Inspire Fear 3 makes up for low reflex defense, giving an enemy a minus 5 on attack roll and skill checks, and Unsavory Reputation can deduct an additional 2 from those attack rolls. Pretty slick. Pretty slick for a 
Pretty sly for a hut guy. (laughs) (laughs) This build will be available at the link below the episode description. As well as Stephen brought up his Death Troopers session. Uh, And was it a session or was that a couple sessions? It was a couple sessions. Yeah, so it was a little more of an arc. Like most of it was contained in one session, but yeah. Um, I wrote a short story from the point of view of my character Fry. Yeah, it's <laughs> really enjoyable. I'd completely forgotten you wrote this, and I'm glad you, you <laughs> this it today. So I'm going to, you know, port it over to the Dark Times Drive and put it in the description below. Just, you know, it's my it's my anniversary gift to you, listener. I know you didn't bring anything. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, we had enough wine already. It's fine. You didn't have to bring anything. <laughs> yeah, you ate all my chips, though. So, you know, at least you could do is read my short story. <laughs> Fantastic, Sam. You you have a bit of a habit of cranking out a short story every now and then. I, I happen to enjoy them a lot. I told my friend today, I was at the Goodwill, and we were looking at all the books, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to publish a book. And he said, yeah, what about? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured if this garbage can get published, then, then so can I. Just like the idea of, of publishing a book. Yeah, you got to put yourself out there somehow, right? Seriously. A, a podcast running for a year is not enough to put me on the map, Stephen. I no. got to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any trivia for us this week, Stephen? It actually, trivia comes courtesy of our good friend Zloy Krolik tonight. Oh, the double feature from Zloy this week. Indeed. What is the connect? It comes in the form of a question and an answer. What is the connection between Gilligan's Island and Star Wars? Uh, they both take place in a galaxy far, far away. Close. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is John Williams, who composed music for both, of course, in the in Gilligan's Island, he's credited as Johnny Williams. Johnny Williams, huh? John Mahalo. Williams also. <laughs> Mahalo. Good God. John Williams also um, composed the original score for Harry Potter. Oh yeah, yeah. In the yeah. first movie, everyone, and then they. Yeah. No one fucking knew that, Stephen. Right. That's not trivia. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Save it for trivia night at the bar. You fucking loser. Thank you so much for listening to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. The show is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven is my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. It's been a wonderful year and we're hoping to many more. It sure has. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Strike me down and I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Yeah. That's awesome. Good one. That was. Also, uh... Shit, fuck. Uh, review us on Apple oh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your show. Good night, everybody! Good night! Where are you? And I'm so sorry. I cannot sleep. I cannot eat tonight. I need somebody and always hello. Wait, wait, someone, someone's here. Wait, what's what? Stephen, hey, what's up, Stephen? Uh, you're under arrest for 32 counts of podcast crime. Oh, not 46. Sorry, no, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do like, Veda, are you listening to your? <laughs> are you listening to your email music again? <laughs> Get out of here. We have to go meet with the senator. <laughs> Palpatine would only like like Black Sabbath and like like Guns N' Roses. Ah, uh, Veda, is that my sound garden CD? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, excellent! I, I I hope I didn't get too real in the break there. That that no, kind of just came out of my brain. It was great. It was nice. perfect. They fucking if they have a fucking problem, they can take it up with me. Oh, they'll love it. I'm sure. It's it's just it just came out of nowhere. <laughs>